Welcome back to the Light Up Your Life podcast with your host, Samantha and Alexa. Today, we have a very special guest. He's one of our friends. His name is Keith Hale, and he's a visionary and pioneer in the home renovation industry. Despite the challenges of the 2008 market crash, he founded Cali Flips. LLC and is now recognized as a luxury home builder for many celebrities in Orange County. Keith recently retired from his real estate empire to pursue his newfound passion. Keith understands the significance of mental health and aims to create awareness and support for men facing similar challenges. He is aiming to save lives and provide education through his new book, podcast, events, and training series. So we are so excited to have you and reconnect with you. Likewise, I'm excited to be here and thank you for having me on your show. No problem. So Keith, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey as a pioneer in the home renovation industry and how you founded Cali, uh, Cali Flips? Yeah, so uh, high school, I left high school in 95 and um, you know I was going to play football, but my scapula got broken. I actually got jumped by a bunch of guys working one night late. I worked at a grocery store. I worked like till midnight. And so when that that didn't work out, a friend of mine's dad said, how about I help you and, and I'll train you in the private mortgage business. So um, they did that and they trained me in the private mortgage business. And within a couple of years, I was doing really well. I was like 19, 20 years old, I think. And then by the time I was 21, 22, he kicked me out of the office and said, go on your own. And I went out on my own and uh, started a company and... Um, I did extremely well with what he taught me, taught me every part of the business I could learn. So I started using the money that I was earning to flip houses at the time because I was earning a lot of money. I didn't know what to do with it. And so we started flipping houses and I started uh, um, you know, building my real estate empire. And that was like early on before flipping was cool. It wasn't cool. I was like flipping the crappiest houses in the neighborhood that was very bad. And um that was it. And by the time I was 28 years old, I retired for the first time. Wow, that is really awesome. I mean, you must have had to build up so much resilience and a great work ethic. So what do you kind of attribute that to being so young and starting your own business? Sports, for sure. I mean, everything I ever learned was on that football field, right? You know, except for what my parents taught me, but all the stuff I learned about myself and not giving up and teamwork and working together and getting up early and doing what other people won't do because it's hard. And it's like, you know, football was so challenging and so hard all the time. It was never easy, right? And so in those moments, it's just you and your pads or you and the grass. And you're just thinking like, I want to quit. And that's all I thought. I was like, I, every day I went out, but I wanted to quit. I just never did. Wow. So it's like, you, know, you start learning that um, if you push yourself, like you're stronger than you think you are, you're capable of more than you think you are. And if you just keep, if you stay there, then good things will happen. And every time I wanted to quit the next game, I did something great. So it's like, I just never quit. And I know your kids are also playing sports now. So do you see a lot of those same values um, in them now? Do you see them working as hard and finding those same passions within sports and learning how to uh, carry that over into, um, into their, you know, life outside of sports? Yeah, so I mean, both my kids are scholarship athletes, right? One's football, one's baseball so far. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I kind of instilled them what I was instilled and just, you know, love the sport, play all sports. And I think just work hard and do what you can do. But um, yeah, they're, they're just like me. I mean, honestly, they're so motivated. And my oldest son graduates from college this coming weekend. 
And uh, so he'll start in the mortgage business, actually. He said he wants to follow my footsteps. So if he doesn't get drafted, which I'm hoping he does, it's not too late. He doesn't get drafted. He'll start in the mortgage business like me. And then um, I'm certain he'll be very successful. Are you going to mentor him if he does end up going that route? Um, you know, I, I sent him to two friends of mine that I never thought would hire him, but I thought it'd be a good interview experience. And because they're as successful as you can get in the mortgage business and they're bulldozers and they really don't hire anybody. And I just said, I said, here's their phone number. I'm not going to call them for you. You have to do it on your own. He called them and he said, dad, they hired me. I'm like, what? what? That's amazing. That's I was great. shocked. I was like, seriously? So, um, yeah, so I don't think I'll mentor him because I don't think they would appreciate that. <laughs> but I will be here to answer questions and support him if he asks me. That's great. So you mentioned that your success in business is attributed to the qualities that you have, your honesty, your integrity, and your loyalty. And so how have those values really helped to shape your career and the way that you conduct your business? Well, I think, I mean, what's integrity? People, you know, we, we say this word all the time, but most people don't understand what integrity actually is. So what integrity means to me is doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, right? And that is as simple as if you're going to be three minutes late to be in, commission, in communication with the person to say, look, I'm going to be three minutes late, right? You know, if you don't, then it's left over here like something's wrong, right? And that you, you're not on time and you're not the person of your word. Um, so I've done the same thing in my business, right? I mean, integrity means everything because integrity creates trust, right? And um, I've always believed that transparency creates solutions. So even in the most stressful times, like 2008 was a very, very stressful time for me. I was like, built this real estate empire. I was super young. And I made all this money. I was like, man, I'm, I'm retired. I'm never going to work again. And then all of a sudden the banks closed down and all these mortgage loans I had were like, Keith, no more loan. And I'm like, you know, my wife at the time was leaving me for the bartender. Like I had all these like problems, right? And so, you know, I just got in communication. I just tried to keep as much, best as I could to keep my integrity intact, right? With doing what I said I was going to do and then trying to be as transparent as possible. And like, I think a year ago, I think I raised like $130 million or something like that. And it's like the same, the same thing goes. It's like, you have to just tell people, you know, the truth, right? You know, and people always say, well, you know, how do you know all these clients that you get? So, you know, I, they're just people, right? People are just people. And so I'm just very transparent. I try and keep the, the integrity intact. And I think if you do that in business, you'll be super successful no matter what you do, because like if people want to listen to you as someone they can trust, right? And if they do, then you'll be successful. And like you said, when you keep those promises to yourself, you build that internal self-trust and then that emanates on to other people and they can trust you too. But so Alexa and I met Keith at Secret Knock. And I feel like that's the one thing we took away. We always said that Keith, you were probably one of the most genuine and authentic people that we met there. And um, I wanted to give you that compliment because it really shows with your integrity and the person that you are. And you're just honest with everyone and you're really cool. So, so we really felt a genuine connection yes. and thought that you were one of the, the best people we by far met at Secret Knock and, you know, love to keep in touch with you and um, definitely feel like you're a genuine friend. And it's because of the character that you have and the integrity that you, you, you were just speaking of. So that's amazing. 
Thank you. And I appreciate your gratitude. And I, I take that on. And that makes me feel extremely happy and supported. And that makes me feel, you know, joyous today. And I appreciate you guys. And I feel the same way about you guys. You know, we spent a lot of time talking at Secret Knock. And, you know, Secret Knock was interesting, right? Because it was like kind of like you found your people, right? And you kind of just like stuck with them. And I tried to like talk to a lot of different people. And I made some good connections, but you yeah. guys were by far the best people I've met there. Oh, thank yeah, you. We appreciate so that. Thank you, Kate. So if we can just pivot a little bit. So your retirement from real estate empire to focus on mental health, uh, men's mental health issues, is a, trans a significant transition. What inspired you to shift your focus and what specific challenges have you faced in dealing with mental health issues? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny. I think if you'd asked me that like four weeks ago, I probably would be crying by now, right? Well, but since I did this, this work on myself, you know, it really, I mean, I started it more than four weeks ago, but it just started clicking in the last like three weeks, right? Finally, like, you know, when something just clicks, you know? Um, so, you know, my story, a quick story, a version of it is like, I have been feeling like on my way climbing to the top, you know, and dealing with all these different personalities. I, I attribute this to like vibrations, right? And, you know, we all vibrate on a different level. And I feel like people, especially men that I've been with, that I've experienced, right, successful men who are vibrating on a super high level, it never comes down, right? So it's it's very high, it's very frequent, and it's like always on. So whenever I'm hanging out with these men, even if we just close the biggest deal ever, you think we go relax, right? We go grab food and we are doing those things, but we're still vibrating on a level that's so high. It's like, oh my God, my the intenseness of my body it, the experience is so rough, right? So I realized like over, especially the last year, and I didn't talk about this much at Secret Knock because I was I was feeling like, you know, what I say in my quote that I actually trademarked is just because I'm hurting doesn't mean I'm weak, right? And so, you know, I attribute, you know, my feelings and what happened to me as me being weak, right? I've always been this tough football player. I've been ultra successful, all these things are great, but then I realized that the, the, the more I climbed to the top of the mountain, the lonelier it got, the sadder I got, and the, the more I, I would use words like, there's a dark cloud over my head, or, you know, I just can't see the end in sight. I would just say things like this, and I was creating my future, and then January 7th, I tried to commit suicide, you know, and, you know, I'm very descriptive on this for a purpose because it's helping me heal, because I don't feel like I'm out of the woods yet, but um, I put my car in the garage, I closed the garage and, you know, I turned the car on and by the grace of God, I'm still here because I feel like, you know, there's a bigger purpose for me to live into and it just wasn't my time to go. And that's why I'm really trying to use my voice now to help other people I can relate to other men that are, you know, maybe climbing for success or, you know, maybe they're athletes or whatever they're trying to do. I get what it means to start with nothing at the bottom and then build yourself to the top and what happens along the way it's it's not it's not easy it's not simple and i feel like a lot of men face this you know where we have trouble with you know vulnerability and masculinity and you know we talked about the secret knock but you know we're in a we're in a world of i don't even want to say crises but we're in change we're in a big change right masculinity is, is what does that mean anymore right what does that actually mean you know we've got you know you women are very masculine now right you know and, and men and men have lost a lot of masculinity right and so there's a big role reversal here and um, it's, it's not simple. And I, I've dealt with it myself. You know, I've, I've been more on the feminine side for a long period of time. 
you know, and then, you know, finding my masculinity again, you know, being very vulnerable. Men don't want to be vulnerable. Right. There's a lot of stigma around men showing any sort of, sort of signs of weaknesses, which really isn't called for because you, mental health is important for both men and women, but there is an additional stigma around men showing any signs of weakness. So um, I definitely hear what you're saying, Keith. And we... Yeah. But I was just going to say, Alexa and I were really impressed too. So we went out to lunch. It was Alexa, I, and there was like four or five other men. And you guys yeah. were really opening up and being vulnerable. And it was so amazing to see that like genuine, authentic connection and everyone really trying to help one another and understand right. you guys go through a lot of struggles, but you're there to support one another. So that was just amazing to see. Because like you said, a lot of men these days hide their vulnerability. They're not willing to talk about the struggles that they go through. So yeah, it was just really amazing to see that. Exactly. Yeah. And definitely understand what you were talking about, the vibrating at a high frequency, even when we were at Secret Knock and with like-minded individuals and uh, we got a chance to connect. It almost felt like I, I felt like I was high, yeah. right? It was like this energy, this yeah. energy that was like out of nowhere. I can sleep four hours, get up. And it yeah. was just um, just speaking to everybody and connecting. And, um, you know, we, we went on some deep topics. I mean, we covered some really deep conversations. Really? And it was, um, it was like this dopamine high of um, just being with high-minded individuals. And, you know, if, if this is what you felt like 24-7, I can see how that's exhausting. I remember coming back with Sam and we were just like sleeping on the plane. We were exhausted. Yeah. We needed like a whole vacation after this. So it was definitely high energy, high. It was great. I mean, I felt amazing. We came back with all this energy and wanted to get into so many things and do so much yeah. because we just had all this energy. And think about having that for like over a decade, like yeah, a day. And, and you think like even a day off is never a day off because it takes a full day to come down and then you have to go right back up again the next day. Right. And it's like, it's, it's so challenging. It's like, for me, it's just, you know, talking to a lot of men, I've been talking to all men, you know, and even women, because my other goal is to help women who are in these relationships. Right. And they don't understand what's actually happening because you know, the man's acting in a way that they've never seen him act before, right? And it happens. I've been angry. You know, a lot of men, it shows up um, as anger. It shows up as alcoholism, drug, you know, drug abuse, you know, you know, over sex, you know, activities. For me, it was buying stuff. I was just buying cars. Like, it sort of, for me, as I was so stressed out, I'll just buy another car. So stressed out, I'll buy another car. Before you know it, I spent like, you know, maybe over a million dollars on cars in like a short period of time. I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, does no, does no one see this behavior, right? Looking back on it now, I think it's hard because as a woman, you want to be supportive, right? And, you know, you don't understand, not by fault, but, you know, the man comes home and I'm so stressed out. Well, everyone says that, right? Everyone right. says that. So it's not like it's not rare to hear anyone come home saying I'm stressed out and you're like oh you're you're fine I mean and for me people are like dude you got this cool car I'm like yeah that cool car I tried to kill myself in right you put it in perspective right and then it's like you know we have you know we look good and my book actually is called everything looks fine and um you know because it, on the outside everything looks fine right we all dress appropriately we you know we, we're good into society we're not acting crazy most of the time so it's like people don't really know what's happening on the inside. And that's, that's where I'm like, I have to come talk to everyone because 
you would not believe the conversations I've had in the last like four to five months. And yeah. it's unreal the people that are hurting. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone, it's men, women, it's, you know, I, I've opened up to everyone. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying that my focus is men because I'm a man. I understand from the male perspective, but I know women are hurting just as bad. I know a lot of them that call me that are hurting just as bad. And going back to your point, you saying that you bought a million dollars worth of cars, it's good that you caught yourself because a lot of times we seek outside validation and yeah. we're looking for things outside of us when really we have to have that inner peace and sit with it and really realize those triggers. Like you said, you have, you're like, what am I doing? Why am I buying all these cars? And so really sitting with that pain and that hurt and like letting it go through your body has really helped me because I was the same way. I would go out and I would feel upset and I would just buy things, right? And for what? It's seeking that outside validation, that quick fix that's going to make things better in the moment, but it's really not going to help your trajectory moving forward. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and until you, I mean, I I think I can speak to myself and- I was always, happiness is over there, right? It's always out there. It's within your wife. It's within your girlfriend. It's within the cars. It's within the next house I bought. Like everything was out there, but I wasn't realizing what was happening within here. And it was like, like you said, the band-aids, right? For a day or two. And honestly, I didn't care about the car. That's why I got so many of them. I'm like, oh, this car is cool, but whatever. I need another one. Like I'm sick of it already, right? I see another one, another one, another one. And I was like, gosh, I've done all these things until it's like, nothing's working. Nothing's working. I don't drink. I don't do drugs, right? You know, I don't want to do any of those stuff. I don't want to be crazy, but it's like, you know, spending that that kind of money is nuts. It's absolutely nuts, right? And so, um, you know, learning my NBC, and I will keep saying NBC because I'm going to become an instructor. It's going to take me three years of like intense education. I'm going to become an instructor in this education because like I said, like, I've watched what happens. I've watched in these groups I belong to. It transforms people in ways that I've never seen it before. I've never seen, I mean, I've talked about Landmark. I've talked about PSI, right? And you go there and you leave, you're like, oh my God, have you been at, you know, Tony Robbins event? You walk on fire, right? You leave, you're like, dude, I can do anything, right? But then it's still like, that's a way of, of, you know, being in that moment, right? So then what? You know, the question is, then what? And I leave all these things, I'm like, on fire. I'm like, oh my God, I'm making a thousand phone calls. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do all this stuff, right? And then three weeks later, I'm burnt out. Literally burnt out. And I'm like, now what? I now go back to feeling exactly what I felt before. Well, this will ha- actually have you shift. And this is like a daily practice of something that you actually do. And you start to realize, like, I'm in control of all of this. I'm in control of how I feel. I'm in control of what my needs are. And I'm in control of getting those needs met, which is like, most people go, are you out of your mind? You, that's impossible. I need her to make me happy. I need him to make me happy. You don't. You absolutely don't. I agree with you. And a lot of people say, you know, I'm with my significant other, my better half. And you have to realize yeah. you need to be whole yourself and you have to be happy and no one else is going to make you feel that way. So it really needs to come together in relationships and both be happy. And that's something that I see not very often. A lot of couples are just like codependent and they're relying on each other. And really you have to do that deep inner work like you're doing and you're helping so many people do that to really ultimately feel joy in your life. 
Yeah, it's also <laughs> not fair to put that burden on anybody else, Agreed. right? No one else is responsible for how you're feeling. If you're stressed, yeah. I mean, they're there to make your life better, um, to add to your life, but definitely not to mm -hmm. fill it, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I did that for so long and a lot of us do, right? Hey, I'm I'm not feeling I'm stressed. Can you, for me, it's like, what? Like, think about it. I mean, if I look back on that pressure, I'm like, I don't want the, that pressure on me. I mean, it, it, you ever realize, you ever see people have been together a long time and you're like, they kind of look alike. Yeah, you, know, yeah. That? Yeah. you know why that is? And, and, and I this, really? Yeah. Right? I'm like, why do they look alike? That's right? But like, I've never heard it with like actual, you know, I, two people. I think dogs are a little more unrealistic. <laughs> I see it with, with like dogs and their parents, you know, where yeah. you can see where like this dog clearly matches like the dog owner. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <I get> <laughs> you know, people, you're like, those people are just meant to be together, right? Like Ken and Barbie, like it just looks like they're like, dude, yeah. but you know, the thing I, is, I, I realize about, about relationships, I'm speaking a lot about relationships because people everyone does this where they're like you know that is my soulmate that is my this and those words are so dangerous those are dangerous words those aren't like lovey words right because a lot of men too believe that you know when 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 you say that's my wife that's not what a man's saying at all when a man says that which i, I coached a, a guy yesterday and he kept saying my wife my i said i said what are you actually saying right now? Tell me what you think you're saying. No, that's my wife. I said, no, you are having an ownership conversation with me about a person that you do not own, right? And he goes, that's my wife. I go, again, you are having an ownership conversation. And this, and this is very common in relationships, right? Because we are expecting this thing to be, you know, it has to be this way. This relationship has to look this way or else it's not really a relationship. And the word marriage is just, it's a heart condition. It's a way of being. It has nothing to do with anything else, right? People have free will. People get divorced all day long. It doesn't matter about that, right? You know, so we got to be very careful. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to become a language expert. So we have to be very careful in what we speak over ourselves and what we say out in the world because people say things and they go live into these realities, you know? And you got to be careful, even the person you're with. I mean, you got to be careful how you speak about them or speak over them. It's, it's a very dangerous slope. True. Jay Shetty talks a lot about that. We went to his event in Boston and he's like, love means something different to every single one of you, right? You know, you're raised with seeing love a certain way. And it, so it's really important to have those conversations with your significant other and people around you. Like, what does love actually mean to you? When you say this, what does it mean? Because love to me is different than what it means to you and Alexa. So I think that's so important to really dig into that. And a lot it's so important to be in, in touch with your feelings, right? Because, you know, you cannot make me feel anything, right? You can, you can heighten it for me, right? But you cannot make me feel sad, mad, any of those things, right? And people believe that, oh, I'm so mad because my wife did this to me. I'm like, that's not why you're mad. That's conditional. That's you're, mad. you're mad because you're not in tune with your feelings and you're not getting your needs met but you're acting like your wife or your boyfriend or your husband or whatever is supposed to fulfill your needs. And they are not, they are not supposed to fulfill your needs. Two whole people come together to share life together. And guess what? Sometimes you can make a request, right? The request might look like, you know, today I'm feeling a little bit bothered and sad. Now I'm needing some connection. 
you know, how about we go for a walk later, right? And it doesn't matter what they say. They might say, yes, let's do that. And that's great. And they might say no, but guess what? You can still enjoy that walk just the same, right? But people don't believe that. It's a problem. And that's what society teaches us too. Even as being a teacher, they teach you like, you did this, so I'm upset. So we're giving our control to other people when in reality, we can say, okay, this person did this. I didn't like the way that they acted, but I'm not going to change the way that I feel based on your behavior. And so I feel like we really have to switch that mindset around. We have control of all of our emotions and what someone does doesn't have to dictate them. Yeah, it's really more so about how you control how you react, right? Mm-hmm. So things, you can't control what happens around you and what other people do, but you can absolutely control how you react to those things. And that's that's the bottom line. Do you let it affect your feelings? Did it, yeah. Do you let it affect your your how you're feeling, how you're going about your day? Or do you just, you know, control how you react and kind of uh, say that, well, that's how they're feeling to get today. That's separate from, from me and it has nothing to do with me. And a lot of the times it's a reflection of themselves and how they're also feeling right and their projection they're projecting onto you and you you don't want to allow that to happen so you you have to kind of remove yourself from the situation you know um agree that they're just going through something and for you know you don't have to be feeling those exact same feelings so i totally i totally agree with that yeah Mm-hmm. And it's not simple but i think that you know society as a young child i mean you were a school teacher you know we're, we're ingrained to rely on someone else right I have to go to the bathroom. Like that's a basic human need that we need permission for at school. That, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I know. isn't that crazy? So many things looking back, I don't agree with at no. all. That's why I ended up leaving the education fields just because the values and what they wanted me to teach, I, I couldn't get behind. So yeah, I mean, even just the conditioning of the bell, right? The bell ranging and that's when you like get up and isn't yeah. that- you know, Mm-hmm. yeah when you eat and there's a ring and then that's when you leave the classroom and everything is very conditioned it's programming us it's programming yeah. our society to follow a nine to five mindset and not yeah. to think out of the box and it's it's really insane too and especially when you're t- when you're having your kids take the test right it's by themselves but in reality you know this from being successful you need to collaborate with people you need to build those strong relationships and you need to have people help you and not right. do it alone so it's just really interesting when you look at the dynamic of how the education system is running now yeah i mean sit down don't move right it's like what like i'm a human being right i'm a being i need to move and you want a child at such a young age to sit down and not move and not do anything it just doesn't make any sense right so it's like here we are conditioning our our youth who is now becoming these adults and what are they doing they're shooting up schools because they're so angry inside because they don't understand how they feel, right? And and the, and the schools are mad and everyone's like, oh my God, little Johnny has a mental issue. No, little Johnny has a conditioning issue and little Johnny now is wanting to act out because he's not in tune with who he is as a human being or how he feels inside. So, you know, this, this I mean, if you read the book, which I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you read the book, I'm going to send you guys podcast i'm gonna pay for it for you guys but um you'll see that wars have been stopped just by communication right like it's just communication you know and we cannot teach our youth and this this drives me nuts and i'm I'm, i've already talked to one school district in fresno and hopefully orange county and then san francisco and sacramento but my goal is to start talking to children now to get them in tune with actually how they're feeling so they can communicate because even me i mean when i was quick story when i was 
first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they thought something was wrong with me because I didn't want to speak a lot. They put me in these classes because they thought they thought I had a problem. So so here I am in these classes. I did, you know, maybe I didn't belong in. And I'm like, this is nuts because I didn't want to, you know, say a lot of stuff, right? And I couldn't put blocks together. And the things that they thought I should be doing, I wasn't doing to scale. You know, so they're teaching us like what we're gonna do, they're dictating how it's gonna go, and we have no say, but that's not life. And then you graduate and they go, Oh, go do what you want. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm do my whole life. Yeah. And I, like leave this stage and and the, and every valedictorian says the same thing. When you know, my, my school was like this, if you believe it, you can achieve it. I'm like, that's not true. Because you've been teaching me when I can go to the bathroom, when I can eat lunch, when I can do all these things, you have told me what to do. And now you want me to go out and figure this out on my own? Like, are you nuts? Like it's crazy. It is crazy. And for me, I mean, I know Alexa, we both have our master's degree. And I feel like for me, going to events like Secret Knock and going to Tony Robbins events and doing all of these courses on my own, I've learned so much more than the thousands and thousands of dollars I spent on college. Like if I could do it again, I wouldn't have went to college. Yeah, I chose not to, which I mean, it chose me not to because when I got hurt playing football and then I became successful as a salesperson and the mortgage stuff. But I mean, when are you going to use that kind of math? Never. I mean, that, I, mean I, I worked in the mortgage business, I, 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 in the real estate business, and I calculated these ginormous numbers, right? I mean, it's not that difficult, right? I didn't learn that in any school. I was just learned on the job. And it's like, I feel like unless you're going to be a skilled doctor or a lawyer, if that's your route, then you, you need education because that's, that's the measure in the United States, which is ridiculous to me, right? You know, but that is the measure because they want to make a bunch of money and control you for a long period of time. But I mean, you don't need education from a college to be successful. You need people. You need feeling. You need to understand. You need a network, right? You need you need you know you need to spread your wings and go figure things out. And you need to become an entrepreneur. It's like I don't understand people that want to work for someone else's dreams. It's hard, and I know we have to do it, right? I did it for years, right? But the thing is, like, it's 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 like it's like a fear base, right? Because what if this? Well, what if I, mean, I think this? What if that CEO commits murder? What if he does something, you know, unscrupulous, and now this company falls to the ground? And people say it's never going to happen. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And now you base your career on this person that they sold you a dream that one day you'll be the boss. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not. So you're just not going to be ever. It's like it's 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 a very it's a very um, taught mentality, and I just feel like we have to break this. We have to start because look at all these world problems we have, right? Especially United States, we have all these issues, right? We could talk for hours about all the issues we see, right? We have so many problems, and they're not being solved because we're not empowering our youth to to raise up. We're 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 showing them how to watch TV, social mm-hmm. media. You know how to challenge their parents, right? We're we're showing them all these things that go against, you know, the Bible and go against us all, you know, things that we heard from our grandparents and you know, treat people how you want to be treated. You want others that you want done unto you. Just the easiest things are now out the window, right? And everyone's becoming like this gamer or this, you know, they want to be something else, right? So it's like we gotta be, we got we have to really empower our youth because this is a ginormous crisis and it's it's not good. It's very upsetting. 
I know. I couldn't agree more with you. And so I know that you're a new author. You just authored a new book. So can you share some of those insights on how you plan to address men's health challenges? Yeah. So, you know, the book, um, so my idea for the book was that um, I want to speak from a perspective that helps men. And then I've been talking to a bunch of doctors and stuff. And I just want to talk to doctors about the back end of mental health, right? So understand how we get there. And I just took a college course um, through Harvard, actually, that helps me to identify when someone's having a challenge that I cannot coach, right? And so the book's going to address, um, you know, all the big topics, right? Suicide, how to prevent it. I do believe suicide is preventable if it's if it's caught at the right time and it's not under influence of drugs or alcohol. I do believe it's preventable, right? Um, we're going to talk about masculinity. We're talking about vulnerability, being accountable. Accountable is such a big thing because men, most men, I'm speaking for men, we blame other people. <clears throat> it's always blame, right? If you had just done this, I wouldn't have done this, right? You hear it all the time. I was coaching a man last week. He said, I punched this wall because my wife pissed me off. That's not why you punch the wall. I am close, right? You know, but, you know, it's always like accountability. You know, we're going to talk about, um, you know, um, you know, hurt to hurt to heal, not hurt to hurt. You know, this is a big one for me because I was hurting to hurt because it's so much easier to play the victim role. Let's be the victim, right? Because if we're the victim, then we'll feel sorry for us. We'll get all the attention and then, all, you know, we'll get all the woes, but that's not going to help us heal. So we have to learn how to hurt to heal, which is a much different process than hurting to hurt. You know, we're going to learn how to talk so they'll listen. And that's whoever is in your life, right? Because I would say a lot of stuff. And no one was listening, right? But I was saying it in a way that it couldn't land because of maybe a way of being that was being prior to me saying that stuff. And no one wants to hear it at that point, right? So they're closed off and blind. And if you say stuff too much, then maybe you're crying wolf too. So the book is going to address this stuff. And I'm actually writing this book. Okay, this is not like a ghostwriter. I keep saying that. I feel bad for saying this because, you know, we had that conversation. And I won't say it here, but I'm just saying like, I'm actually a part of the writing of this book because I want to make sure it's the, the story is told correctly. And then not only is it going to be a story, but it's going to be what to do about it next. Because again, we all read all this stuff and then it's like, oh, that felt so good. Great. And now I can, I can, you know, recite quotes, but I have no action steps. So for me, it was very important to give men and also women can read the book too, because it'll be great to understand what in the hell is going on with this person, right? You know, and then from the book will be a training manual in the book. And then it will be my goal is to hold seminars and to help people better understand like what's going on and to be in tune with all these, all these topics. There's, I mean, there's, there's 13 chapters. And then at the end now, I put in nonviolent communication because to me, it's like, I swear, I mean, uh, if I had found this, a decade ago, I'd be a different human, but I probably wouldn't have met you guys. So, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. But the fact that I have it now, I have to tell the world what this is and how to use it effectively because it can save marriages, it can save lives, it can stop wars, you know, it can have a lot of conversations and it takes each one of us, we're responsible to, you know, be a contribution to our communities, right? So the, the book's going to address all of these things and I hope to have it out, you know, um, the next couple of months. That's the goal. 
Wow, that's amazing. That is so good. And I know you're doing more than just the book, right? So you're also, uh, I know you're starting your own podcast, you're doing all kinds yeah. of events. Um, so what other lessons or messages are you hoping to convey through all these means? You know, I think, you know, my goal now is to further the conversation, right? I think people get into the conversation and we stop at some point because, you know, things do change. I mean, it did for me too. I mean, you get into this conversation and how you feel and you hire a counselor, which no offense, and I'm going to say this, and I feel so bad saying this, but I have to say it because I spent thousands of dollars on counseling. And honestly, you know, I'm just going to say it. It doesn't work. Okay. It just doesn't work. Okay. I mean, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a counselor is just a friend that I'm talking to and we're rehashing the past and we're rehashing last week. And we only have an hour or two hours to do this. And, and that is just not long enough for us to get through it. Right. It's just not long enough. So we need a, we need solutions. Counselors identify problems and keep me in the problem. Right. And then there's no end in sight because if there's an end in sight, then they don't have a client anymore. Right. So people need coaches not counselors. Coaches hold you accountable. The coaches want change. They want to see change. And they and it's not forever, right? I could now say that for the years I did counseling or the months I did, whatever I did, as long as I did it, if I had just done, known what I know now, I could help someone within a, 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 a period of time. I could say within six weeks, here is, if you, if we work together for six weeks, here is what's going to happen at the end of the time for you. So it happened to me. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to further conversation. I'm, I'm doing events. We're going to have another event next month. If you guys can come, actually, you're going to come. I'm going to have you on stage. Forgot about that. And I'm just like trying to plan this event. And it'll probably be June, July 8th. And, you know, it's it's awareness. But we have to, it's one thing to, like, like I just said, awareness, right? So we're all aware of this, right? And all these other things make us aware of a lot of things, but then what, right? And I keep saying, then what? So my goal is with the podcast, everything looks fine, is to bring a lot of people together and then let's figure out then what. And then once these people are healed, can you go help someone else now, right? My goal is to heal people, not to have them come and just, hear me talk and all this crap and hear all these doctors talk and bring in, I don't know, Tony, whoever we bring in and then just to hear it forever. That's stupid. It doesn't work. And then they're just going to go, you know, go crazy again in four months. So let's heal together. Let's fellowship together. Let's bond together. Let's create community together. Let's retreat together. And then once you feel like, man, I'm, I'm past my point of healing. Now I want you to go heal someone else. Right. So that's what I'm trying to create a ginormous community, like a team, like a, like a football team, if you will, that will go out, learn how the playbook, right? Heal themselves and then go heal others. And that, that's, my, that's my mission. And I feel like had I had died in January, people would have said, he built that incredible house. He knew that person. He did this. He did that. He did this. Meaningless stuff, all meaningless stuff. Because you know, most people, when I deliver that house to them or they buy the house, they're like, oh my God, this is so cool. And they say that while I stand there. Do you know I almost never hear from them again? Not like, hey man, we're putting down roots in this beautiful house by the beach and my kids love it and my, my wife is so happy. And they, I never hear from them unless they need something or something broke. I mean, that's not fulfilling to me, right? You know, I want to see some legacy, you know? 
That's amazing. You're pursuing your true passion and it's, it's, it's making an impact on the world. And uh, I, I totally understand that. And that's amazing. I love it. And if you didn't go through those struggles, that pain, you would have never found your purpose. I mean, you built, like you said, the successful career, but you weren't feeling fulfilled inside, but now you're taking all that pain and all those challenges, you've healed yourself. And now you're going to be able to heal. I think millions of people through your work, which is amazing. And I want to go back to your book because I think it's so important that as humans, we really understand ourselves. So all of those different things that you have in your book are really going to help people become more self-aware because I feel like a lot of times people go to other people and they're like, you don't understand me when you don't even understand truly yourself. And so I think going to be very transformative for anyone who reads that and anyone who listens to your podcast or your events. And I know you also recently came out with a course as well. Yeah. So the first course, you know, Greg, Greg, I mean, not Greg, sorry, sorry, but I love Greg, but um, Daryl had me do this course. Everything looks, you know, excuse me. It was, um, what's the name of the course? The name of the course is um, basically how to be transparent, right? Or something. And, you know, that was a fun course to do. And I, I appreciate doing that course. Um, I think it all translates all together, right? As I go down this path, um, I feel like the next course is gonna be more succinct to the message of that course leads up to this stuff, right? Goes back to when I was you know, in elementary school and, the, and I fell down on the playground for the first time and I skipped my knee and I'm bleeding. And I start crying for the first time in a school setting and some kid comes over and calls me a wimp slaps me in the face and all the cool kids are over there laughing at me he's a baby he's gonna you know, call me all these names and then i made this decision at that point that i'm never gonna cry again at school i'm gonna be a tough guy so then i suppressed from fourth grade on i suppressed my true feelings inside because i didn't want to be viewed as a wimp right that was my story right so um so you know the first course was like going through all of that stuff that leads up to what happened now and so next will be the book, Everything Looks Fine, the podcast, Everything Looks Fine. And from that, we're, I'm going to go many directions, right? Now, first is the men's part. And the book, I think, can heal anybody, but, you know, it's geared towards men. Um, and then women's part is next, right? I'm going to do the women's part. And it's funny because I started this coaching business. And... It's been cool. It's been really cool to coach people. But you know what's crazy? I get more requests to coach women than men at this point. Wow. And I'm like, That's I'm like I'm, I was trying to figure that out yesterday with Daryl. I'm like, why is that? And he's like, you know, he doesn't really understand why, but I'm starting to understand because I feel like women are, you know, initially are more in tune with how you feel and you're more open to be vulnerable about it, right? You're more open to talk about it. But then you have these issues over here with this person and you don't know what to do or how to deal with them. And I think they're calling me because they're having this issue that's bringing them down, right? And so they're asking me like, well, what do I do now, right? What's next, right? And so it's interesting to see the dynamics. So I'm really gonna, I'm not gonna be just men because we're human beings. I wanna help human beings, right? So, um, you know, it started off that way because I know that perspective because like you said, I'm healing. I am still hurting. You know, I'm doing a lot of work every single day. I'm not out of the woods yet. I probably won't be for a long time, but I understand what I need to do now to heal myself. So um, I'm way down that process. I want to help everyone do the same. 
That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that you're attracting more women clients because Alexa and I noticed on the podcast, we're always interviewing men and it's because of our childhood and what we went through with our father. So maybe somehow that's connected with you and your childhood of why you're, you know, attracting women to coach them. Maybe just something to look at. Cause I thought that yeah. was fascinating when we dug into that. So. Yeah, it could be. And also men like you know, I go to these groups and I do this all the time and I still do this. I just did this. I went to a men's group three weeks ago in Orange County and it was like, I walk in and I'm evaluating, right? I'm passing judgments and I'm evaluating the men. So I'm like, oh man, I'm the worst one in here. Literally, that's what I said. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, that dude looks like he's a family man. That dude looks pretty cool. That dude looks successful, right? That dude looks hippie, right? He's calmer than me. And then we started sharing Every single one of us has tried to commit suicide. Wow. Every single one of us has personal relationship issues, right? <clears throat> so you just never know, right? So it's very quick to judge and evaluate. And the book, Nonviolent Communication, excuse me, shows you how to stop doing that, right? How to not evaluate, right? How to observe, not evaluate, not to judge, because we're all dealing with something. All of us are hurting in some way are dealing with an issue that's, you know, we don't know what to do about. You know, if you look at it, we're all, every one of us is, right? So we have to, we have to be careful not to judge people. Yeah, I think that's so important. <clears throat> the society today makes us judge everyone and compare ourselves to everyone's highlight reel. And that also makes people really upset and depressed. So I think that's great that you're bringing awareness to that. Yeah, social media is the killer of people. Unfortunately, it's the killer of relationship. It's the killer of community because we, you know, I'm doing my best to show my authentic self on social media, right? Not to be like, hey, I'm so cool. Look at me where I'm at. No, I'm like, today I'm hurting so bad. I just spent the last two hours crying because I couldn't control my emotions until I did some work on myself, right? But most people show this like selfie of this person they're with and it's like, oh my gosh, that's the best relationship ever. But that's not true right? It's just, it's, it's looking good because now the ego, right? Social media has made this ego issue so big, right? And we can't control the ego anymore. So now it's really about, you know, trying to control the ego, which is so difficult. And social media is just like, you know, propelled this issue. It's like, it's insane how, how much it's done. It's just crazy. Yeah. I you know, the reality is, like you said, we're all, and the reason we do that is because we're all hiding from something. If right. I show this piece of me, then they're going to think something about me, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Whatever, right? It doesn't really matter. All that matters is right yeah. here in our being, how we feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's not the case, right? We're all not perfect. We're all human beings. We are flawed. We all feel a certain way. And we don't have a lot of um, opportunity to kind of work through that and and kind of go back to all the things you talked about. It's really hard to express yourself, whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, there's all these really big expectations of you know what you're supposed to be. And social media adds to that, right? For women, yeah. it's how you're supposed to look. You have all these filters that are setting, yeah. yeah, that are set, setting standards that are completely unrealistic. And then like we talked about for men, there's all this stigma to be this masculine macho men, when in reality, men are human beings, they have mm-hmm. feelings just like women do, and they don't have the tools mm-hmm. um, to be able to speak to them in the same way that women do. I mean, women have friends, and they talk about their feelings all the time, mm-hmm. they can get it off their chest. 
Uh, men don't have those opportunity. They don't feel comfortable talking with other guys about their feelings. They talk about sports and yeah. how's the game. And um, yeah. uh, it's just high it's level like, kind yeah. of conversations. They don't really touch on the deep stuff and it's important to do that, right? So it's amazing, Keith, that you're opening up and giving an opportunity and a platform for these men to normalize it, right? That one, it's important to talk about it. You're so brave for coming forward with your story and sharing that with um, all your audience and um you know we are absolutely rooting for you this is an important message and Perfect. we're so glad that somebody's doing it yes yeah thank you yeah, i mean it is important and it's like we have to further it you know we have to work together all of us i mean you know tv shows one side of things i can tell you i've been on tv it's fake most of it's all fake right um <laughs> you guys have been on tv it's it's not real you're censored I don't want to go back on TV because they told me I'm going to say this about men's mental. Oh no, 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 you're not. I'm like, well, I'm not going on there because I want to, I don't want to be censored. I want to tell raw truths because we can't change anything with censors. Right. And everything on TV, every woman doesn't weigh 80 pounds. Okay? Every man's not, you know, super buffed and fit. It's just not reality, but that's what we see because that's what they want us to see. Every person's not rich. It's just, it's just, this is not reality, right? Some people don't drive Mercedes Benz or Porsche or Lamborghinis, right? Some people drive regular cars, right? And that's, it's all okay. We're all having a human experience and the TVs and social media takes that human experience and demoralizes it. And I hate that. Yeah. And like we said before, it has that huge comparison. I think what's been really pivotal for me is looking how far I've came and just looking at yourself and not, you know, passing judgment or comparing myself to you or Alexa or whoever. Right. And it's so important to do that inner work to just look how far you came and what you went through. So. Yeah. Cause you have to be at the end of it all. It doesn't matter. You have to be okay with you at the end of the day. Right. It can't be like, oh, this, no, or that, no. You have to be okay with you, right? No matter what you is, you have to be okay with you. Absolutely. So true. Well, we really appreciate having you on the phone and um, on the line here. <laughs> and um, for all of our listeners, where can they find you? Where can uh, they connect with you via either the podcast or what, where's the best um, Instagram? Um, just Instagram, Keith Hale. I mean, Keith Aaron Hale. My grandma always called me Keith Aaron. So it's like, you know, I went back to my roots of Keith Aaron Hale. Um, KeithAaronHale.com. I'm on all social media channels. My YouTube channel is up now if you want to learn about me and all these other videos that we spoke about. You'll kind of learn what happened to me from the start and what's leading up to now. And then the podcast will be Everything Looks Fine. But if you just Google my name, you'll find it. And I want to let everyone know, since we didn't record this part, I am here in Prozac's studio in the great Las Vegas. And Prozac is a dear friend of mine, has been for over 20 years. And he's one of the most famous producers on, on the radio right now. He produces Snoop Dogg and E-40 and Too Short, and a lot of different rappers. He also artists himself. So when people are going to be wondering, what is that in the background, right? And where am I? And so I'm in his recording studio in Las Vegas. And um, I'm sure you've heard a lot of his music. I know we all have. It's played at the, you know, the nightclubs and things like that. But um, he's, a, he's a great guy. And uh, that's why I'm here. When people do not understand, like, what is that background? You know, it's not one of my podcasts. Definitely not. <laughs> 
Well, Keith, we are so honored to have you as a guest. You're making incredible moves and you're going to be impacting hundreds of thousands of lives. So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and for our listeners, please subscribe, like, and share this. I know this one's going to go viral and we are all sending you so much love and light. I hope everyone has a great day. Thank <laughs> you.